0: (laughs) It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner.
1: Good afternoon. I'm Anthony Weiner. Thank you for meeting me in the middle, an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock. We're going to push off a little bit from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week. We try to bring up some subjects that maybe don't see the light of day during the week enough. I want to thank uh, Christian, who's on the board, Ava, who's on your calls at 800-848-WABC. Kevin, supervising things. You can hear us, like I said, until 3 o'clock, and then Curtis Sliwa comes in. For left versus right until 4 o'clock, he will be the – I mean, at this point, he's got to be in a sponge. We're going to talk about it a little bit. He's doing, I think, 24 – from Thursday midnight, so basically Friday morning uh, through the end of this weekend, he's doing 24 hours of programming. So we'll see how he's doing. You can hear us anywhere, all up and down the eastern seaboard on 77 WABC, WABCradio.com. You can also get our app. And you can always get this in the form of a podcast on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On Well, wherever you get your podcasts, you can get this in the form of podcasts almost as soon as we're off the air. If you want to reach out to me, at Rep Wiener, I'm on Twitter, wienerwabc at com, And, of course, you're an important part of the show, 800-848-WABC. Happy Easter weekend to all of you, to Holy Week, to all of you who are celebrating that. Ramadan Mubarak. To all of the folks who are observing Ramadan. To everyone who is observing Passover this week. This is a a significant week. A spiritual week for everyone. um, For a lot of people. And so it's really great to have you along. This is a busy day in sports. Well, it's a busy day if you're a hockey fan. We're getting close to the end of the season. The Islanders are right there on the bubble. Hanging on in a... In a playoff spot in the wild card, except today they they kind of need to win. They need to win. They need to win out. Got, I think four more games. have got to win out. They play Flyers today as we speak. Pittsburgh is playing Detroit. That game is significant. And Florida, I think, plays later on today against um, who do the Flyers play? Anyway, we they have to win. Um, and uh it's a a good day for me today i want for many of you who have written me over the last couple of weeks yet i had my eye operation on monday so i want to thank Dr. Elise Haberman over at NYU Langone i have to take eye drops now. look i immediately started to see a difference i can read stuff a lot better um Still taking eye drops like four times a day. Jordan has been great about taking, you know, here's my problem with all these eye drops. I never, when I'm putting them in myself, I can't tell if they're in my eye or not. Uh, So I've asked Jordan to do it. And as with all things with an 11-year-old, his attention span is waning. He's like, if he could just kind of spray me from across the room. So I'm taking those eye drops, um, but already I can see the results. And for all of you who wrote and called and gave me suggestions and told me not to worry about it, I think one person who wrote in put it perfectly. He says, this is the ultimate high-reward, low-risk operation. And uh, By the way, while I was under, I wasn't under. I was conscious the whole time. You know, if you recall the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about how I was stressed out about the idea about being able to see what they're doing. Um, the anesthesiologist, I said, what kind of cocktail you give me? He says, I'm giving you a little bit of stuff. And I don't know what words he said before or after it, but he said fentanyl. So I had a little bit of fentanyl in my system. Not too shabby, i gotta t- I got to tell you. But thank God, I am. Um, the eye is working out great. Problem is, I can't work out for about for a week, and I can't play hockey for a little while. But these should be the biggest problems. The Mets got uh, opened at home yesterday. We've been off to a little sluggish start, four and four. But the home opener, the new big big screen in the outfield, those ugly patches on there. I hope they fix. The, they're wearing advertising patches now for I guess New York Presbyterian Hospital, and um, they don't look great. <laughs> They're not even the Mets' colors. I mean, so, but it was a weird game. They didn't. They, they, they. But, but I tell you what. The, what I will say. They won nine to three. They were fine. They had. They now had zero errors in their first eight games, which is a new Mets record. If you're interested, last year, the Padres of 2022, they won 17 games without having an error at the beginning of the season, which is amazing. That's the best they've ever done. Speaking of the Mets. You know, I like to not talk about, I mean, we did so much George Santos over the years, but I don't know if you've seen this. And I don't know, do we have, do we have audio of the George Santos? Go ahead. Hey, guys, today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home, but in good old fashion, let's go Mets. I can't even, I can't even. He doesn't even know how to, he doesn't, can't even get the chant right. That's not the chant. It's "Let's go Mets." Let, he doesn't even get the chant right. And had, so here's my thing with that. First of all, I don't know what the old fashioned. Thing, what, are you, what are you even talking about? Here's the thing with that. He who works for this guy, he doesn't have anyone on his whole staff that has ever seen a Mets game, who's ever been to a Mets game. How do you get that so badly wrong? Here, let's listen to it one more time. Hey guys, today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home, but in good old fashion,
0: let's go Mets!
1: <laughs> it's piling on. It's piling on. I mean, the guy can't help himself. We'll, we'll talk I think Curtis is going to want a little piece of this action when he comes in at 3 o'clock. But that's your George Santos Goofy of the Week, as he can't get out of his own way. That's not the chant, my dude. It's let's go Mets. Huh. Let's go and Anyway, well, if you're a Mets fan, you know. If you're not a Mets fan, you probably don't find that that offensive. Maybe he's making an effort, but you see, I started out working for my predecessor in Congress as a staffer, okay. And a lot of what I learned about politics and being a staffer is like I learned from Chuck Schumer and under his like he's some of his former staffers have gone on to do amazing things. How do you not? I don't know, do a little bit. You obviously you have a boss who doesn't know what the heck he's talking about, so go out and protect him a little bit. From uh, anyway, so let's go into it. By the way, speaking about George Santos, I have someone a little later on in the program, second half of the program, I'm going to tell you someone who is even more dishonorable and dishonest than George Santos, who I've discovered. We'll talk about that a little later on. Let's go to the numbers of the week. Each week on the episode, we like to do some numbers that bring context to, to the week, some put things, uh, put things in focus for us. The first number is 24. That is the number of hours that Curtis Sliwa – I think I mentioned this. Or Curtis Sliwa is doing 24 hours this week. Now, Curtis Sliwa does a lot of time. You know, ABC, always broadcasting Curtis. But I tuned in for the beginning of his run on Friday morning because uh, Frank Marano is off at his – I think it's his cousin's house for Easter. And if you only listen to 10 minutes of Curtis this year – and that's going to be hard to do if you listen to this radio station. Listen to his monologue at the beginning. It was, it was, you know. Look, Curtis is sometimes one fry short of a happy meal. I mean, I get that. Curtis is not everyone's cup of tea, but it was excellent. It was an ode to why we do to why we do talk radio. He also took some legitimate and fair shots at the idea that sometimes everything sounds the same on conservative talk radio. I have that same thing, but it was really quite good. Twenty four hours. And that includes the hour I checked with him. It includes the hour he and I are going to do later. So 24 is one number. Um 31, that's how many minutes shorter the average baseball game has been. It's only a 2.38 average. Last, last night's game with the Mets was so sloppy and weird, it went over three hours. But on average, t- uh, two, two, two hours and 38 minutes. And i got to say, I'm liking it. Very civilized, bang, bang. You're in, you're out. It's a reasonable length. Um 15... I'm not doing Trump this week. I'm going to get in I'm not doing Trump this week, but I'm going to give you one number of the week. Fifteen. That's the number of dollars that Judge Juan Mershon, who's overseeing this case, gave to Joe Biden. Not not fifty five zero, even not fifteen a day, fifteen dollars. And I point out that number for two reasons. One, it's stupid. If you're going to be a judge, just don't make political donations. I know you're not. What are the chances you have the president or his opponent in your courtroom, but don't do it. It's like kind of once you're on the bench, don't make political contributions. Um, but the other thing is $15. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> what else do we learn about the guy that he's he's not very committed? He's only in for 15 bucks. So that's another number of the week. Hey, We are not going to do Trump today. We've done Trump weeks. We've done Trump for a bunch of weeks. But I do want to point out one thing that has been said over and over and over again on the station from really smart people including Judge Dershowitz, this whole idea that Bragg campaigned on getting Trump, it is just not true. I live in Manhattan. I followed the campaign, saw videos of a few of there, and I even checked in this week with a couple of his opponents. Every every candidate was saying the exact same thing, including Bragg. Bragg was saying, I've already convicted him. I've already um, uh, helped convict him because he worked on the – Trump University case, but this idea that Brad campaigned on getting Trump is not true. They all said the same thing. They said, "I don't want to prejudge it." But, but, they did not. No one did that. So anyway, in addition to the numbers of the week, I want to give two names of the week. Okay, one is Trisha Cotham. She is the person. I'm going to talk about her a little later. Um, but in case you guys are multitasking and are googling as we're, uh, it, it, she is the person who I say is worse. And I'm going to explain why. We'll do that a little bit later. But the other name of the week is one you probably didn't hear much on the radio here except for the news breaks. Her name is Janet Purtsejewicz, Janet Purtsejewicz. Perhaps in the most important race of the entire year, she won. And she was running for justice for uh, um, judge on the Supreme Court of Wisconsin. And so Wisconsin, as you know, is a 50-50 state, a totally purple state. Um, Trump won it in 2016 by 23,000 votes, 0.7%. Biden won it in 20,000 by 0.6%. Uh, last year in the midterm, one of the few predictions I got wrong, Ron Johnson won it by 27,000. That's 1%. So this year they had an election for the highest court in the state, and so why is it important? Why was this election important? Um, it's a swing state, obviously. Every year, it's one of those states that comes down to you know who chooses the president and which way is it going to go. So that's one reason why it was kind of important. This was, by the way, was a statewide election. It has this crazy gerrymandered, undemocratic one-party rule. The Republicans only represent about fifty point five percent of the votes but they have gerrymandered the district, the district, so they have a supermajority of over 60% of the seats. And how have they used that advantage? Well, they've used that to, well, obviously draw their districts. That were upheld by the court. But also another reason why this was a super important race is because the the, the, the court is three to three. And so whoever, whoever won this race would have to deal with something else. This has a full abortion ban in Wisconsin. That has been on the books since 1849. And so the new court is going to have to decide whether to uphold that abortion. Remember, there's no longer a a federal right to abortion, so it goes back to the states. Individual states have different laws. This is one of the most restrictive and oldest in the entire country. So with a 3-3 court, whoever got elected left or right, was going to decide, was, is now going to decide whether that stands. So who did the Republicans choose? They chose a guy called Dan Kelly, a guy who compared affirmative action to slavery, a guy who worked on election denial cases. And when we get back from the break, I will tell you what happened in that election and why we here on The Middle should care. Um, 800 848 WABC. I'll be here until 3 o'clock, then Curtis Lewa comes in. So great to have you along on this beautiful day. My name is Anthony Weiner. This is The Middle. Stick around, we'll see you on the other side.
2: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. So, why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's the
0: middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. back.
1: I'm Anthony Wiener. Welcome back to the middle. That's Marshall Frenshaw, cynical girl. Kitty checked in from Seville. Talk about cynical girl. So we're talking a little bit about the purple election that took place, purple state election that took place this week while we were all staring at the orange man from Florida. And I set it up a little bit. I already told you that the Democrat won, but I told you how close these races are and how much was at stake. Just to refresh... Trump won it by twenty by point seven percent. Biden won it by point six percent. Ron Johnson, the Republican, won it by point one percent. Basically, a two point election is a blowout in this state. And when it was time to choose this justice, these issues, giant issues, were on on the ballot. Everyone was talking about them in Wisconsin. Obviously, not all over the place, but here. And they nominated a guy named Dan Kelly. The, the Democrats um, nominated a prosecutor. By the name a, a liberal prosecutor by the name of Janet putsewitz they Dan Kelly, and this guy wins a primary on you know basically as an election denier. he worked on election denial so what was the results this week? The Democrats won by eleven points eleven points that that, that this judge won by, which is like an astounding number I mean to you know this is a legitimate purple state I'm not saying that and there are some things, you know, expenditure things, were not completely in balance. I'm not saying that everything has a simple answer to it. As a result of this election, now the lines are probably going to get drawn in a less gerrymandered way. That means probably two more congressional seats for Democrats. Remember, the margin's only five in Congress for the Republicans. This 19th century abortion ban will now be overturned, almost certainly. And I'm happy about this because I'm a Democrat. I want Democrats to win, and I agree with some of those positions. But I'm going to be honest with you, as the host of The Middle, all I can say is what the hell is wrong with the Republican Party? Over and over again here at WABC, particularly out of the mouth of John Katsimatidis, our our owner-operator, he says, how come we don't hear more from common-sense Democrats, common-sense Democrats? When, um, when John introduced me, when I was hired here to be on the show with Curtis over a year ago, he introduced me as a common sense Democrat. And it's true. I'm kind of a more of a centrist Democrat. And I, and I have done whole shows about the problem with the AOC wing of the Democratic Party. But when will you, and I say you because you, my listeners, this is a conservative radio station. You get a lot of conservative stuff over and over and over again throughout the week. And I was listening carefully this week. I did not hear much soul searching. Where is this cl- call for common sense Republicans? If you step back from the legal and social media spectacle of Donald Trump, and I've talked about it, he's going to be your nom- he's going to be the nominee. I think I've got real problems with this case to bring against him, but I'm not going to, I've done three episodes in a row, I'm not going to do that anymore. I mean, you can call about it, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You guys run this show, not I. But if you step back, you see that in 2018, um, the House elections, you can, go, you can go with 2017, but in 2018, the House elections were a disaster for Republicans. Democrats had a net gain of 40 seats to take over their House, their largest gain since Watergate. Then Donald Trump lost the presidency by a comfortable margin, millions of votes. Next, the Republicans blew two runoff elections in Georgia and lost control of the Senate. And the runoff should take place a day before Trump backers stormed the Capitol. Then Republicans win the legal fight over abortion, and Trump-appointed justices reverse Roe v. Wade. And what happens? Well, high-profile election deniers in 2022, midterm, some of the worst nominees you can imagine. And the Republicans lose these very winnable seats in 2022. They blow a chance to take control of the Senate and just barely hold on to the House majority. They were predicted to gain 30, 40 seats and wind up just barely squeaking by. And then as if on cue, as if on cue, yesterday a Trump-appointed federal judge in Texas, one federal judge, ruled that despite the FDA, despite FDA approval and 23 years of use, that he was going to ban nationally the use of the most popular method for terminating a pregnancy, Mephispur, tone, whatever it's called. I mean, the Republicans have this incredibly kind 2024 map. And are they going to do it again? I mean, I am the whole premise of this show is the idea that we have these fringes in our party, that if we push them away, the AOC wing on one side, the Marjorie Taylor Green, you know, wing on the other side, that if we push them away. And we focus on the kind of the stuff we kind of it's kind of in the middle that we can get some stuff done. And you can say, oh, the Democrats haven't done that. Well, I, we kind of have. Right. I mean, you know, we our centrist candidates are the ones that are that are kind of winning. We chose, you know, Joe Biden. We didn't choose Elizabeth Warren. We didn't choose these other people. We chose him because he was the more moderate of them, whatever it is. But today. 800-848-WABC. If you're a Republican, I'm just curious whether you think this is working. This Wisconsin race was a winnable race. Another winnable race. That is 11-point margin because you chose as your nominee and your issues. Listen, I get Donald Trump's appeal. I really do. But Trumpism is killing the party. And I don't hear anyone saying, hey, let's take a step back and try to figure this stuff out a little bit. You know, as if you guys... And I keep saying, you guys, because I'm a Democrat, okay? I call the show The Middle, but it doesn't mean I want anyone to leave their partisanship at the door. Everyone has their biases. The question is, can we learn kind of how to take that Venn diagram with the overlapping parts in the middle and learn from it? And I don't see the Republicans learning anything. And I guess, I guess what made me, kind of got me fired up about this, is I listen all week. And during the morning... um, John Matisse was filling in for Sid. And I've and 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 John mentions all the time, you know, you know how he's open to conversations. He likes, you know, common sense Democrats. He says Republicans come. I want to hear someone start to say a little bit more about common sense Republicans, common sense Republicans who think it's smart for one judge in Texas. After you go about saying every state should have a right to decide abortion for themselves, one state in Texas now say we're not going to – the tool that is used most commonly in abortion, we're not going to allow it to be sold anywhere. Some judge in Texas is going to tell the FDA how to do their job? That small government? And you choose a candidate in, in, in Wisconsin that lost by 11 points because he's, he's an election-denying judge. Americans just, you know, I don't believe the middle, that the middle independents people who we talk to in this show, believe this stuff. Look, I think just to repeat the the distinction I'm making. There is Donald Trump, and then there is Donald Trumpism, which is this thing that has taken hold in the party. About yeah, that's that's just does it's not it's not an appealing message. Independence. Women, people who are inclined to kind of be the swing votes in these types of elections, don't want abortion to be th- an abortion law from 1846 to stand. Getting that date right? 1846, is that right? 1849. They don't want people who 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 want to overturn the results in their own state, which is what this guy Kelly advocated for. They don't believe in that. And again... I'm talking about this kind of as a strategic thing. Like if you want to win, this is not the way to do it. You're on a terrible and again I keep saying you because I'm talking to a conservative audience but you know, I'm talking to Republicans. You're not going to win races with these tight ty- you're showing it. 2017, 18, 20, 22 and now and and by the way this is, this is kind of a midterm election, right? And, and uh, this is kind of um, a special election. These ones that kind of show you you've got problems. Remember, we had those in New York State. And I read the statistics back when we did the shows about the special elections, how they're, they're, they're often indicative about how things are going. So while I want Democrats to prevail, that's my bias, that's my team, I do believe in the idea that if we want to get the country back on kind of an even keel, one of the ways to do it is to both parties to be a little bit smarter. So that's the that's the pitch. And I want to hear what you have to say. You know, I have to I- I admit this. I Maybe it is that there are a lot of our listeners out there, 800-848-WABC, who think that everything's going swimmingly, saying, I don't care if we win or we lose. We've got to stick to this idea, this false idea that we won the election. We've got to stick to this idea that we... We're a party of small government, but we believe that government should be in women's bedrooms making reproductive choices for them. Maybe I'm wrong about it. 800 848 WABC, 800 848 9222. We're going to get to some calls when we come back. The board is all awful. A lot of subjects to talk about today. Really grateful for you to be around joining us here on the middle. And my name is Anthony Weiner, and I'll see you on the other side of the break. I'm going out. I'm going out.
0: Is the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
2: I spent the summer in Santa Cruz and I met a blonde on the beach with lots of quirky tattoos. She had that old movie quote We're gonna need a bigger waves on her toes and turtle tracks on her collarbones. I asked her what
0: they meant. And this is what she said.
1: You gotta go with the flow, cause the tides always turn and sink or swim. And welcome and back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. That's Owl City bring us in. You know, we all have our guilty pleasures, like things we don't tell anyone else. I an I like Owl City. I don't know. It's lame. I don't know what to call it. Uh, you know, I know uh, uh, Curtis is an EDM fan. I'll ask him if he considers that EDM. It's one guy and a keyboard. Yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. So we're going to take some calls. Now, the board is all full up. I'm talking a little bit about the future of the Republican Party and whether the any lessons are going to be learned. So let's go to some calls. Eduardo in Chicago. Eduardo, welcome aboard. Do we have Eduardo? Anthony? There you go, Eduardo. Sorry, that was our fault. Go ahead, okay. pal.
2: Yeah.
0: You're you're right on point. We have to get independents and Democrats. You have uh the economy going into a recession. I just read of where an eleven year old committed suicide because she was being bullied. These are things that they need to take up. Any party should be able to take up and not get into something about role versus weight, because that's a non issue. That's a waste of time.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Eduardo, while we have you on the phone, you're calling from Chicago, Illinois? Yes, I am. Give us 30 seconds on what you think the difference was in that mayor's primary. That kind of surprised some people because the left candidate pulled it out. Tell us a little bit about what you think happened there.
0: Well, the uh, race was the unfortunate issue, and it wasn't crime. Race, uh, it's a segregated city, so race was the uh, top issue. It's unfortunate. It should have been crime. If it was crime, we, uh, Mr. Ballas would have won over Mr. Johnson. Pretty yeah, and simple.
1: I I I think that's why, and I appreciate you calling. What do I want to call us again? Uh, let's go to uh, Chris and Beth Page. Welcome back, Chris.
0: Hey, Anthony. Um, perfect discussion. Uh, perfect topic today. Perfect. Let me tell you something. Back in October, before the elections, past elections, I went to Sid's book signing. Okay, he had in October, and I saw Andrew Giuliani there. So I pulled him over to the side, and he was. Gracious enough, he gave me a couple of minutes, I said, Andrew, he's not going to win. He has to come out and speak about this issue of abortion. It's very important. You don't understand. The Republican Party does not understand that it's such a non-winner for us, okay, that he has to get out and say, look, I'm going to let the people decide, or whatever. He's a pro-lifer, and I believe that's why he really lost the the governorship was because of his stance on you know pro-life. It's in other words, I you know, and Andrew agreed with me. So the Republican Party has to do something, and I fear, and I'm a big supporter of Ron DeSantis. If somehow, and I know you think Trump's going to get the nomination, if somehow DeSantis is the nominee. He's going to have a big problem with it because I think he thinks 6 weeks, anything before 6 weeks is, you know, abortion should be illegal. Yeah. It's I mean, look,
1: be... you you're right, Chris, and I really appreciate your calling. You always bring a lot to the program. I mean, look, here's the thing is that is that there is an answer. And I don't know, you know, I'm not a Republican, but there is an answer that a Republican can give, but I don't know that it helps you in a Republican primary and the answer is The consistent through line of being a Republican is limited government and anything and taking the Constitution seriously that that, you know, you have a smaller government as a better government rights should go to the state, whatever it is. So if you're a Republican, you can say, therefore, as an intellectually consistent conservative, I take kind of the libertarian view, which is government should not be involved in these things. They should just be. Between a woman and their doctor. But it's hard. I mean, Chris, you point out you made this case to Andrew Giuliani. Ask Andrew Giuliani one day. Maybe I'll have a chance to ask him. Can you win a Republican primary in any state, even a liberal state like this one, being a moderate or being being pro-choice? I don't – you might not be able to. But now just to make things – but you don't need someone who's going to lean into it like this. I mean – you have a you have a Trump appointed judge down in Texas who's making the decision for the rest of the country. Hopefully that'll get overturned. It just seems like they can't get out of their 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 own way on this. Um Andy and Whitestone. Andy, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Hey, I saw Doug Sattel, S I T T E L on Google. In the past, so here's, there's new sound.
1: Yeah, let's let's say so we have to Christian, here's what we have to do. That guy somehow gets onto our board, and he has this recording that he does. One of these days we have to find out what exactly that is because he changes names on us and everything else. But anyway, next let's go to Joe in Manhattan. Hey, Joe, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for taking the call. Uh, Regarding uh, Santos, right, first and foremost, I think, you know, uh, that uh, Democrats – they aren't criticizing the Republicans as much as they should, you know, in view of the fact that they're uh, staunchly, you know, uh, keeping him intact as a Republican instead of kicking him out. Hell yeah. Hypocritical on their part, on the Republicans' part, for not getting rid of him because in the long term it would come to hurt them. Politically, you know, because it would happen uh, with respect to the Democrats as well, who might
3: hold on to someone. Yeah, uh, yeah we
1: we get, but Joe, Joe you're a hundred percent right. Yeah. You, by the way, have you seen the, the Democrats offer an, and and uh, a resolution to kick him out? Nope. <laughs> we, we don't. Mind. Democrats don't mind him around. First of all, he does, he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, you can argue it doesn't really matter that he's around. By the way, okay, you know, I said I was going to tell you this story. Um, I found a story this week, you might have seen it, about someone who I think is worse than Santos. You know, in a way, the Santos thing, for all we've talked about, how outrageous it is and everything else, in a very important way, it doesn't matter, in that you can make a pretty good argument. His district was going to vote for Republican anyway because the Republican wave was not sweeping everywhere else, but it was sweeping on Long Island. And he's one more vote for McCarthy, and that's the only thing that really matters. Like nothing – it's unfortunate for the constituent in his his district that they don't have great representation, but it doesn't really matter. But I'm going to give you another person, this woman, Trisha Cotham, that made news this week. She is a North Carolina state representative. Now, why should you care about her and what she does? Well, she's a Democrat. She ran as a Democrat in November The case, she, she, 2007 to 17, she was in the the state legislature. She left to run for Congress as a Democrat, didn't win. Then she ran for a seat again in in November, a very traditional Democrat in a heavily Democratic district. I think the district, did I write that down somewhere? I think the district's like plus 20, yes, 23 points for Biden, a Democratic district. She ran on raising the minimum wage, on protecting voting rights, bolstering LGBTQ, um, obviously, Uh, protecting a woman's right to choose. She even gave this speech that was pretty powerful about how she had an abortion herself and the Republicans hand off my body, all that other kind of stuff. Well, this week, after the election, a few months later, she announces she's switching parties. And the result of that now is, because of her switch, the Republicans now have a veto, uh, can now override vetoes of the governor. So, in other words... She changed the entire structure of government. And so here's, I want to put this out there for you. Isn't that way worse than what Santos did? Um, because Santos, as much as he lied, whatever it is, the big thing was, you know, it didn't really change anything. This woman went from, from giving speeches about, you know, hands off my body to now being, and, and what is her explanation? It's not a really good one she 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 wrote she said um i'm going to read a quote now one of the absolute worst moments which was a deal breaker a turning point for me was when I was criticized for using the American flag and praying hands emoji on my social media platforms and even on the back of my vehicle close quote wait what the deal breaker is someone made fun of you for using prayer hair emo- hand emojis I mean this is a this is a sell she Got something, whatever. You don't go from being, and here, and so here's the Santos analogy. I mean, Santos, at least he's been a Republican, he is a Republican, and a lot of people say, what's the difference? One more Republican vote, who cares if he lied about it? We can choose another Republican later on. But this woman, this woman changed the entire structure of government. Just again, to put it in context, they have a Democratic governor. Who has, who has vetoed 75 bills of the Republican legislature because the Republican legislature can't override his vetoes. They're one vote shy. And then this woman uh, runs as a liberal Democrat and then switches party. That, to me, makes her worse than Santos. Maybe not as colorful, maybe not as interesting, drip by drip. But in my view, um, that is abhorrent. I mean, her constituents are like, never mind. We got a guy we didn't think was a vo- we thought was a volleyball player that he's not. We got someone who who when I vote on the on the issues, and this is a woman who's run before. She's been around a long time. She's got a long voting record. And then, boom, out of nowhere, <laughs> she announces that she's going to change party. So that's a little food for thought. You'd think that's worse than Santos is. because in my view, um. That's just incorrigible. I mean, here's it. This is a speech that she gave not in in 2015. I'm going to read a quote. My womb and my uterus are not for your political grab, she said. Legislators, you do not hold shares in my body. Stop trying to manipulate my mind. This is like addressing Republican lawmakers. And then she switches parties. And here it is. It's, you know, the first, you know, few months into the into the term. So that's my Santos of the Weekend. Now, listen, people change parties from time to time, but very rarely is it, you know, change whole governments. But my view, the honorable thing to do, the thing to cleanse you from being the modern the, – the, this week's George Santos, you say I'm going to resign and run for my old seat as a Republican. That's what I, that's what I think would be the honorable thing to do. And when we get back from the break, we the board is still plenty full. We're gonna to try to bang out some more calls. We're talking about the fate of the Demo- the Republican Party at four o'clock, sorry, at three o'clock when Curtis comes in. For one thing, we're gonna see if he's still awake because you know he doesn't he doesn't use artificial stimulants. And as I've said to you, go listen to his opium oh, get it on podcast, the opening of the Friday Other Side of Midnight Show. It was as best I've heard Curtis, it's like 10 minutes of everything about uh, that makes AM radio amazing. And we'll see if he's still awake when he comes in. I'm Anthony Weiner. We'll see you on the other side. This is The Middle.
2: And this is what she said. You gotta go with the flow, cause the tides always turn and sink or swim. Diving in is the best way
0: to learn. Kick... It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
1: And welcome back to the middle. "Beautiful Love" by Julian Cope, dedicated to my aunt Lois, who's in town. Called her Auntie Lois my entire life. Um, I I don't know whether this is a joke, but apparently we heard back, and I have to get an explanation. We heard back from the Guinness people, and and apparently that that Curtis needs an extra thirty-one minutes in order to officially break the weekend record for being on the radio for the most shifts. So Curtis and I are going to stay on um, at four o'clock and we're going to fill in for Rob Astorino so that Curtis can break the record. Now, just to give you an idea what the culture is like around here at WABC. They said to me, Anthony, would you like to do that hour yourself? You need the experience you've never done, you know, that kind of, you know, I've done I've done fill in a little bit, and I'm constantly saying, put me in, coach, put me in. But when I found out that Curtis needed an additional 31 minutes to break the record and that I, in some small way, could help him do it, I'm like, no. I want to do it the old-fashioned way, left versus right, is the where it should be when he gets the extra hour. So we're going to be sticking around at 4 o'clock. Hope you do too. So let's go to some uh, some calls to the top of the hour. Gail and Staten Island. Gail, thank you so much for hanging on.
3: Good afternoon, Anthony. I met you years ago during a walk in Brooklyn for Little League. You spoke so eloquently. Oh, thank you. I want to know how—I feel there is a great divide, and I feel that this nation is not going to come back. There's such a rise in anti-Semitism, and nobody's really addressing it. You know, when conservatives do speak, they're uh, shouted down— And it does get violent. They don't give them a chance to speak. And we had a couple of years, I would say, of a whole Democratic-run city. And uh, crime didn't change when we had de Blasio. And it's not changing now. Our mayor is a big talker. That's what I feel. Um, I went to Manhattan during Christmas, which I didn't want to go, but the kids wanted to see the tree. And I was uh, walking away from garbage, getting up skunk pot blown in our faces, and um, now they want to bring this um, presidential uh, farce in our city. Um, I think it's a terrible idea. It's a busy season. People come in. We are relying on tourism, and they're going to close the streets, and people are going to look to go to a restaurant, and the restaurant's never recovered, Anthony, from the lockdown. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I I agree. I mean, Gail, you've brought an awful lot to the table. Let me just nibble on the first part of what you said, that there's a great divide in our country. I agree. And I think it has been accelerated on social media, where we all kind of go to our own camp and yell and shout. I think it's been accelerated on, like, cable TV, where, you know, you basically have your liberal station or your conservative station and no one else meets. One One of the things that I have preached for... Here on WABC and John Katsimatidis has, has adopted it is the idea of, look, we can be a conservative station, but we can be open-minded about it. You know, left versus right, here's a perfect example. Left versus right that was launched over a year ago, I remember at the press conference that announced it, they said, you want to wear boxing gloves? And I'm like, no, nah, we, we have enough punching in our world. We, he and I are going to have respectful conversations. It turns out that most weekends we agree on stuff more than we disagree. I hope that radio can be a place that we can start to talk a little bit more to each other, not just at each other. But it's a legitimate problem. And Gail raised some other ones, too. I mean, she, I'm not sure the reference to 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 de Blasio was correct. I mean, de Blasio, there were lower crime on de Blasio than any mayor in, in New York history. So I'm not sure that's a great, but even, you know, it's clear starting with COVID, crime turned around in the country and that's a problem. But I think you're, I think Gail's not wrong. I mean, there's stuff to be concerned about. The question is not whether we disagree it's how we manage those disagreements, and usually if politics is how we do it. Um, next, let's go to Kevin in East Meadow. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Hey,
2: Anthony. I'm a uh, lifelong Democrat, and I am very worried about this country. Uh, I am worried about senior citizens who are reduced to eating cat food, and I am reduced about Medicaid being cut and SNAP benefits being cut. I am reduced about a – Cognitively impaired president. I'm sorry. Let's call it what it is. And I think 2024 is going to be a real challenge. And um, you know, when you look at the, the this whole family, I, I mean, come on, the the, the bank records. It, I don't know any of my friends that are Democrats, and I'm talking local clubs that are particularly excited about the bench that we have. And I just was wondering what your what your thoughts are.
1: Yeah, Kevin, I appreciate, first of all, your comments at the top about the way we are cutting benefits for children's food and and senior citizens' ability to get uh, particularly low income. I did an episode on this um, during my podcast, uh, The Middle Unplugged. By the way, this week I did one about George Soros, kind of getting into his history and why he's a boogeyman for folks. I agree with everything, just about everything Kevin said. I'm concerned if if – the only thing propping up Joe Biden, in my opinion, is one, a pretty good record. He's gotten a good deal done considering the margins he's dealing with and the fact that he can say I can I'm the one guy that can beat Donald Trump. And he's right about that. I mean, he, he has shown he can do it. He is. It's a knowable quantity. But I think that right now I did an episode of a couple of months ago about the idea of a constitutional amendment that prevented but based on age that prevented both Donald Trump and Joe Biden from running. And I said I thought America would be a better place. But you're not wrong. There's a lot of people that a lot of people that have that concern. Uh Andrew in Stanhope, New Jersey, welcome back. Thank you. Are you there, Andrew? Go ahead, Andrew.
2: Uh, Biden, he would say I could be Grant collared in <laughs> but I want to say uh devil to kid on abortion ladies said hands off my body. But actually the irony is that it's not her body. It's someone else. The baby is not her body. And she wants, the, the irony also is she wants her hands to be able to kill that baby or pay someone else to kill it. So the sick, twisted, backward hypocrisy of that.
1: Right, and, but uh, Andrew, but Andrew, let me ask you before you go off that subject. Is not her making that decision what you want to give it to a bunch of guys in a legislature?
2: I'll answer that. When you were saying that um, limited government, I kind of see that as the opposite. The Constitution says the right to life, that's the first thing. And I think it's expanding government, in a, in a way, abortion, because you want the government to create a situation, okay, we won't have a law. Like the Torah says, if a woman's struck down that's pregnant, it counts as a double murder. So if a man tries to induce uh, an abortion with a illegal – I saw on one of those detective shows, and they hit, put a secret camera So he got busted. But if the woman wants to have the baby killed, it's not a crime. So that to me, that's bigger government. Yeah, no,
1: I I understand what you're saying, Andrew. But, you know, here's the thing. What about just don't have government involved in some decisions? What if they're just too profound? What if you have your, your, you know, quoting from 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 the Holy Scriptures? What if some issues just you don't want to leave a bunch of people in Albany to make the decision? Or the people in Sacramento to make the decision. Or the people in Tallahassee to make the decision. Maybe there is some decision. Not everything do we have to say, okay, what does government think we should do? I get the issues around abortion. Believe me, I do. I mean, I know it's complicated. I know I could never in a million years imagine being in a circumstance where I could imagine you know, life without Jordan. My brother, Jason, I hope he's not listening. I'm told, I don't know if Morton Fran can confirm this, that he was an oops baby. I can't imagine life without him. I mean, I get it. I get it. These are tough issues. The point that I'm making, just to get back to it at the end of the episode here, is that if Republicans think that the pathway forward is to take this dogmatic view, this that includes just this position, you've got to figure, you've got to learn you know politics is not like is is like every other thing in that you learn as you go you try to perfect you try and i see no sign that my republican brothers and sisters are taking any lesson from one election to the next and saying all right we got to figure this part out and get it better it's getting worse and worse and like i said i'm a democrat i don't i don't mind these results from a from my team but as a person who believes in in the arguments of the middle and believes in the idea that that the fringes ultimately turn out to be our problem. I say this from the top of the mountaintop. Show me the common sense Republican who says we got to f- sort this out. We have to figure out what we're doing wrong. There's plenty of conversation within my party about pushing off against AOC. You heard Nancy Pelosi do it all the time. Joe Biden does it. Uh, you heard me on the show. Like, I'm, just, I'm not saying we're always right or I'm not saying that these are evil people. I'm saying it's a political matter. We can't win if they're the spokesman, if the squad represents our party. I don't see that kind of reflection on the other side. So coming up at 3 o'clock is Curtis Lewa, left versus right. We're going to clear through the tape at 4 o'clock and help out by filling in a little bit for Rob Astorino, help Curtis Lewa break the Guinness Book World Record and help me get a little more experience on the radio. I'm so grateful. I hope you have a blessed, holy weekend, Passover, Ramadan. This is Anthony Wiener. See you next week.